Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. I'm Jessica Ettinger, CNBC. Investors did not like an economic report out today, the weakest manufacturing data in at least 10 years. The Dow's down 1%, down 268 points. The Nasdaq down almost 1%, down 57 points. The S&P is down almost 1% down 26 points. And while the major averages are in the red on this first trading day of the fourth quarter, there are some companies whose shares hit all-time highs this morning, like Nike, Texas Instruments, and discount retailer Ross Stores. More than 2,000 companies have filed with the federal government for exemptions on tariffs on products coming in from China. They need the relief. The Wall Street Journal says some of the 31,000 items include frozen fish, furniture, and cosmetics. And Netflix has renewed Stranger Things for a fourth season. The creators of the show were reportedly signed to a nine-figure multi-year film and TV deal. CNBC. This is a special alert to all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles with an auto warranty about to expire or with no warranty coverage at all. Due to a decline in the economy, Protect My Car is announcing a low-cost extended service plan that is now available to the public to save any driver out-of-pocket expenses on auto repairs. Call now to find out how you can pay nothing for auto repairs. Yes, you heard that correctly. Pay nothing for auto repairs. An open phone line has been established for all drivers to call for a free quick quote. Call 800-746-2168 now. Drivers who are covered by Protect My Car will not have to pay for a covered repair bill again. This auto coverage is at an all-time low, much lower than what dealerships are charging. Additionally, drivers who activate this auto coverage today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and free car rental at no additional cost. Call Protect My Car for your free quick quote today. 800-746-2168. 800-746-2168. What do you have to lose? Again, 800-746-2168. NBC News Radio. I'm Brian Shook. Rudy Giuliani is lawyering up as the impeachment inquiry continues. President Trump's personal attorney is hiring Florida lawyer John Sale to help him through the impeachment inquiry. Three House committees subpoenaed Giuliani to turn over his documents on his interactions with the Ukrainian government. It appears the Trump administration is not going to fully cooperate with the impeachment inquiry. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo accused House committees of trying to bully his employees in the growing scandal over Ukraine. Court proceedings are wrapping up for the day in the punishment phase of the Amber Geiger trial. The former Dallas cop was convicted this morning of murder for last year's shooting death of Botham Jean. Jean's attorney, Lee Merritt, did not say how many years Geiger should spend behind bars. We believe in the wisdom of this jury. That that decision is in the hands of this jury. Uh, And so uh, uh, we believe that Botham's life mattered and we want to see a sentence that reflects that. Brian Shook, NBC News Radio. Okay, let's talk about it. Shatter your notions. You like to enjoy life, right? Maybe you imbibe a little. Come on, you know, uh, weed. 70% of Californians agree that cannabis should be safe, legal, and easy. Now it's available at Shatter Dispensary in San Bernardino. Shatter has a full line of cannabis products, including cannabis cartridges, concentrates, edibles, and CBD massage bombs. Top-of-the-line products, services, and brands in a safe, classy environment, all tested in state-licensed laboratories. Shatter is at 350 West 5th Street in downtown San Bernardino. Open daily from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. 
from affordable to top shelf, Shatter can help you find the perfect product for your cannabis needs. Google Shatter Dispensary and Lounge in San Bernardino, and you've got it. That's Shatter, S-H-A-T-T-E-R. Must be 21 years of age or older. Shatter, license C10-0000542. Hey, Ryan, do we have any beer in the fridge? Nah, I thought you got some. Oh, the game starts in five minutes. And you drank the last beer at midnight on Friday. I wish there was a place that delivered beer. Yes, I'm Captain Crafted. I'm here to bring you beer. That's Captain C-R-A-F-T apostrophe D. Why? Because there's no E, just a D, as in deliver, because Captain Crafted delivers. That's right, the Crafted Beer Store in Redlands is now open for business with great prices and deliveries of your favorite beer, wine, spirits, water, ice, and mixers. Did I mention their great prices? That's C-R-A-F-T. D-B-E-E-R store.com or Fred Crafted Beer Store on Facebook.com. Make it easy. Google Redlands Beer Delivery. Look for Crafted Beer. Crafted Beer Store in Redlands is now open for beersness. And I'm here to deliver. Dahibo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. So it naturally has antifungal, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-infection, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. But maybe more importantly, Dahibo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea builds corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer happens to die in oxygen. The tea is great for healthy people and can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. Dehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pau de Arco Super Tea is only $34.95 plus shipping. Order now at DeheboTeaClub.com or call 818-610-8088. Dehebo is spelled T-A-H-E-E-B-O. So DeheboTeaClub.com, 818-610-8088. Miss your favorite show? Download the podcast at kcaaradio.com. Ladies and guys too, you work hard. And once in a while, you have to take care of yourself. When it's time to pamper yourself, to take care of yourself, your next stop should be Next Gen Nails and Spa in Redlands in the Tri-City Center. It's very special. Relax. Enjoy this special, luxurious treatment that you deserve and leave your stress behind with the best beauty care and a royal spa pedicure that includes a warm water soak, trim, sea salt scrub, paraffin therapy, and a luxurious hot lotion massage. You deserve it and you deserve it today. Look good, feel good at Next Gen Nail and Spa in Redlands because you're worth it. And for a quick session, join Next Gen on Wednesdays for their $10 off spa treatments happy hour from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. The salon is always squeaky clean and waiting. So for the best beauty care and to treat yourself, it's Next Gen Nails and Spa at 1470 Industrial Park Avenue in Redlands or Google Next Gen Nails and Spa in Redlands. How you doing? This is Gary Garver. In today's society, the majority of people are not getting enough sleep. I know I'm not. If you're like me and having problems getting a good night's rest, whether it's health or stress-related, I have a solution for you. South Pacific Sleep Lab. South Pacific Sleep Lab will do an evaluation of your sleep pattern and will provide a comprehensive study so you can start getting a restful, peaceful night of sleep. They take all types of insurance, which will cover your cost of the evaluation, and they will even provide transportation to their offices at no cost to you. For more information, contact Tony at 310-999-1887. That's 310-999-1887. Tony even stays awake all night, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, so you can sleep better and rest easy. South Pacific Sleep Lab, start feeling better and getting a great night of sleep today. Hi everyone, it's Yanitza Munoz from the publications Maxim, FHM, and Sports Illustrated. So being a model, I have to work out a lot. It's tough staying in shape, especially keeping my abs. Until I discovered TC1 Gel. TC1 Gel is a thermogenic gel that you rub on your waist 15 minutes before exercising. 
Then simply put on the TC1 sweat belt and start your workout. You'll sweat like crazy and feel the burn. It focuses on boosting circulation, increasing perspiration. It activates body heat, reduces muscle fatigue, and burns off more calories. Get your TC1 gel now. Go to tc1gel.com. Welcome to Smart Health Talk with your host, Elaine McFadden. Welcome, everyone. This is Smart Health Talk radio show, and we've got a great show planned for you today. Um, You know, maybe not everyone out there is a meat eater, uh, but even if you're not a meat eater, uh, there's a lot of talk out there about meat. Uh, We have the Impossible Burger out there as the alternative of which... I highly recommend you avoid uh, knowing the ingredients that go into that and the way that they make it. No way I mean that thing. (laughs) I'll tell you that. But uh, if you guys want to live dangerously, go right ahead. Eat that Impossible Burger. But um, people are thinking they're doing a good thing. If you're eating the burger... Uh, because you want an alternative when there's lots of great healthy veggie burgers out there. Uh, This one carries pesticides and chemicals and GMOs. Um, That's the Impossible Burger, but there's lots of other healthy alternatives to veggie burgers out there that I would recommend as an alternative. Uh, But this talk about uh, meat as a bad thing, Uh, The thing is, meat is not the problem. The problem is how we're raising the meat. And the problem, the biggest problem of all, is that we're losing our small family farms to big corporate. So we will no longer have access to the high-quality food that is produced on small farmers. We're all going to be slaves to this factory-farmed, inhumane treatment of animals or we can stop it right now by first of all becoming an educated consumer and knowing what the heck is going on because I'm telling you it's it's ugly it's disgusting it's totally inhumane it's cruel punishment that is happening to everything behind that burger and most of the fast food that you're eating And pretty much all of it is fed soy. And if anyone out there has a history of uh, hormone-type breast cancer in their family, eating soy can be a very high-risk situation. It can actually cause a breast tumor that is stimulated by hormones because soy actually uh, mimics estrogen in our bodies. So it's a very dangerous situation when we are not treating animals like allowing them to be the animals that they're supposed to be. And then the bottom line is, according to Dr. Jonathan Lundgren, if we started grazing all of our animals and quit doing this factory farming, which has turned a big section of the Gulf into a dead zone, by the way, and we have million gallon excrement ponds and all of these chickens never and animals pigs like never even seeing the light of day or living in like little tiny spaces not even able to move at all d- d- i mean who out there wants to contribute to this i doubt very many people say yes i want to contribute to the inhumane treatment of animals but guess what every time you're buying one of these pieces of meat you are you are contributing to the system So unfortunately, consumers are a big part of the problem because they're either blind to what's going on, just not knowledgeable, not even realizing that they should be getting knowledgeable, uh, or not even interested in where their food is coming from. I'm asking you people, anyone that's listening to this broadcast out there, I hope I haven't lost you yet. I hope you're sticking with me because I've got our great guest that 
is our guest on the line? Okay. I have our great guest for you today that is going to get into detail about what the heck is going on so you can become a smart shopper, a smart consumer. This actually gives you another level of protection and safety for your family by knowing this stuff. Because if you think the USDA and the government is protecting you and making sure that you're getting the safest, most healthiest food out there, then you are in fantasy la-la land. I'm telling you that right now because I have had scientist after scientist on the show saying that these government agencies are basically a face, the storefront for a major fraud operation because that is what is going on there. And it's, it's, it's. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Built around fear. Every employee around there is afraid to even speak up. What kind of system is that? So we, as consumers, we got to start going past all this, past the people telling us the lies, past the people supporting big corporate and getting rid of our family farms. We got to get past that, everyone. Stay with me here. We're going to get to the heart of the matter. We're going to find out the truth because you know what? We're not afraid of the truth. We need to stop being afraid of the truth. We need to run towards the truth. That's what we need to do as consumers, as Americans. Do we want our country to be weak, uh, weak and sick and needy of drugs just to stay alive? Or do we want a strong country that is just like tough, strong immune systems, clear thinking, clear heads, you know, not some mental cases that need, you know, oh, give me another drug. I can't sleep. I've got anxiety. You know, try exercising. Guess what? That relieves depression. Okay. I want to get to our guest. I don't want to waste another minute. Greg Gunthrop is our guest today. And I tell you, this guy is has like a long pedigree when it comes to farming and understanding about what's going on with our meat industry and actually live this his own himself on his own farm. So he is going to bring to us today, this is like going to like one of the greatest food lessons that you could actually go to by just staying with us today and listening to what Greg has to say. I'm telling you, this is so important, everyone. This can impact the food future of our entire food system here. If we don't get educated, we are have risk of losing everything, the most precious, healthiest food that gives us life and energy and makes us feel great and look great. You know, who likes to have nice, healthy looking, glowing skin, right? You think that's just coming from nothing? No, that comes from the food you eat, everyone, just a FYI. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us. I know this, like, you really had to go out of your way, Greg, to make all this happen. And I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on Smart Health Talk today. No problem. Great to be here. All right. Woo! I can't wait. I can't wait to hear what Greg has to say, everyone, because uh, I've talked to him one other time. And just in the little bit of time that I had, and after nine years of doing this show and talking to all these different guests, Greg was telling me so much information that I had never even had access to before and never even like thought that I needed to know. And you are going to learn a lot by just hanging out here to stay with us till the top of the hour because Greg's going to be here with us. And this is the kind of guy that we want feeding us. Okay. We're only 2% of this kind of food out there, everyone. Why is that? We should be asking the question. So Greg, why don't you just go ahead and start and introduce yourself, just give us a little bit of history, and then why don't you start by telling people 
um, what's really on their plate out there. What What is your perception of the biggest misconceptions that we have sure. about meat and our meat system? Thanks, Elaine. It's great to be with you guys uh, this evening for me, but afternoon for you guys. Uh, I'm Greg Gunthorpe. I'm a um, family farmer in LaGrange, Indiana, so we're in northeast Indiana. Uh, we um, raise uh, pastured pigs and pastured poultry on our farm. We have about 270 acres. Uh, my family has raised pigs on pasture for at least four generations. Um, short uh, synopsis of my life in uh, 1998, my wife and I sold live pigs for less than what my grandpa sold them for in the Depression. And I'm kind of a stubborn person. You guys will eventually figure that out. I said I didn't want to be the last Gunthorpe. I didn't want pig farming to end with me. And so, um, you know, we figured out a way to start direct marketing. But uh, um, I've also been uh, highly involved in a lot of advocacy work. Uh, served on the USDA Small Farm Commission back when uh, Clinton was president and uh, uh, Glickman was our Secretary of Agriculture. Uh, Served on some national food safety commissions, such as the Pew Meridian uh, Food Safety Group, um, uh, on the advocacy committee for the and the board of the American Grass-Fed Association, uh, highly involved with Slow Food, uh, was on the National Ag Advisory Council for the Humane Society. So done a lot of work on the on these issues and my uh big thing uh, that drives me is the um, I would like to see a place in the future for the um, independent traditional family farm because uh, in my opinion well not really an opinion if you look at uh, rural America uh, we've blown up the um, independent traditional family farm model uh, the family farmer is uh, largely a thing of the past uh, you know it started with um, when they industrialized uh, eggs uh, then followed the um, broilers or the meat chickens, uh, the um, fat cattle or the finishing cattle, um, the hogs, and uh, they're working on it now with uh, um, dairy. In my lifetime alone, we've lost uh, 90% of the hog farmers in the United States. We've went from 600,000 uh, down to less than 60,000. Uh, the eggs are the um, most uh, um, change. Uh, we keep about one egg per or one laying hen per person in the United States, uh, so about 300 million or so hens. Uh, the average egg farm is uh, millions of hens. Uh, majority of the eggs in this country are produced on less than 200 egg farms. Um, and the thing that I think uh, people don't understand and don't appreciate is, you know, even out here in rural America, lots of people have realized that agriculture's changed. But nobody really stops to think about what was that replaced with? And I think that's the big uh, misconception. You know, in, the, um, uh, in lots of ways, the big corporations have co-opted that message. And in general, uh, you're not buying from a farmer like me, a farmer like a person that's on the American Grass-Fed Association uh, membership, a person that's in the American Pasture Poultry Producers Association. You're not buying from a farmer like us if you're buying from a grocery store because we have serious market access and uh, transparency issues in this country and small independent family farmers uh, producing niche products like us don't have access to the grocery store for sales. Wow. Um, what is that? How does that impact the quality of our food when we're when we're just like buying food in the grocery store versus farmer direct, what, um, what, what do you, you think? Know, I think? I think the biggest uh, factor in, uh, in this change in agriculture and the biggest impact on uh, consumers is uh, biodiversity. And I think that's biodiversity at all levels, all the way from the cell level uh, to the um, uh, macro level. And by that, I mean, uh, you know, the um, uh, food produced in a, um, uh, wholesome, natural, traditional manner um, is nutritionally different than food that is produced in an industrialized manner. The science is uh, clearly starting to show that now. Um, you know, but it's all the way down to the things that we can't see. 
And there's obviously bunches of things that we can see. You know, it's the um, it's the economic uh, development in rural America. The, if you look at the economic metrics, um, rural America is worse in virtually every metric than what inner cities are. Um, you know, it's the animal welfare issues. Um, it's the um, you name it. It's environmental issues. Um, virtually every single issue. Um, you know, consumers. Ethical Our society issues. and farmers are impacted. The ethical issues um, of like people's belief and on how they want to treat animals versus the way the system is almost like forcing them. It's pretty much forcing them to contribute to an inhumane treatment. Uh, and, you know, that's, I think that's against most people's beliefs and yet they still contribute to that system. Oh, exactly. You know, I think that, um, like I mentioned before, agriculture's changed drastically, and most people don't want to stop and think about what it was replaced with. Well, um, I'm looking at your website here, Greg, and first of all, I love your logo. I think it shows that you guys are a lot of fun. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have a feeling that you guys are a really fun group. <laughs> yeah, we try to be. Yeah, I see. I can tell. Um, and I think it's really interesting that you guys have your own processing plant. Why, why would you do something like that when there's USDA processing plants out there? Um. You know, in lots of ways, there aren't very many USDA processing plants, and then uh, and then there are even fewer that um, can work with small farms, and there are even fewer yet that uh, match our ideals, um, and there's also fewer yet that will uh, either have the meat cutters or the packaging and the equipment to do what we need for our customer base. And, you know, we started direct marketing meat about 20 years ago. My family had always just sold live animals up to that point. Didn't take me very long to realize that the biggest bottleneck in this whole system is that processing. And, you know, whether it was intentional or not, um, you know, farmers produce a lot of raw commodities in America. Uh, but in general, they tend to not produce a lot of food anymore. And in order for it to get to the consumer, it's got to go through a processing step, especially on the um, meat and poultry. And if you know if you're going to sell to um, discriminating customers, it has to be cut correctly. It has to be packaged correctly. It has to not uh, be dosed in all kinds of uh, crazy um, chemicals. Uh, you know, it has to taste really good. It has to be fresh. You know, are you describing your are, customer uh, and what they're looking for? <laughs> what are you describing? What your customers are looking for? Yeah, I'm, I'm describing what, uh, you know, there, there's a whole growing movement in this country. Uh, not large enough yet, but there's an awful lot of people that want to know how their food's raised, how it's processed, and how it's handled up to the point it gets to them. And, you know, that's really difficult to do uh, for a small farmer without access to a processing plant that shares their ideals. Well, I just think it's fantastic that you did this. And then you even have pictures inside your processing plant when no one is allowed to go look inside of a USDA plant. So it looks to me like your farm is all about transparency. We, we have groups out to the farm all the time, uh, colleges, uh, student groups, uh, restaurants. Uh, there's not a single part of our processing plant that uh, we won't uh, allow them to see. We just had a group out from uh, Purdue, Fort Wayne on Friday. Uh, they actually slaughtered pigs with us, come right out on the kill floor. Most processing plant owners won't allow anybody to see that regardless. And I still think that we have a complete and utter uh, lack of respect for both farmers and animals in this country. And I think part of it is that we've just uh, completely dismissed talking about that whole part in between the farm and the consumer. And I think that we have to talk about it. And I think when we do, consumers probably will eat less meat, but they will respect what they do significantly more. I, I love that concept, Greg. I really, because that's really what I think, you know, most people would want is for us to be respecting that meat. And I, I see so much that people have place no value on that on the food that they're buying and eating this fast food it, it's it, there is no value to it they'll they don't 
keep food and eat the leftovers. They just throw food out because they know that it's crap food. <laughs> so I think that they know in their head it's really junk and it has no value. So when, right. they, when they eat the food, are they really enjoying that food? Or is it more just like, let's just get rid of hunger and, oh, yeah, here's this burger that I've already eaten 100 times before and, you know, it's going to taste the same. I know what it's going to taste like. So what is the satisfaction in that? I want food that surprises me every time. You know, I don't want that same taste over and over again. And since I've been, I would love to try uh, some of the meat from your farm as well, Greg. Um, but I, I, I've told our listeners that I started buying from Amos Miller's organic farm, which is probably comparable uh, to the kind of meat that you produce. And I tell you, every time I make a meal, Greg, it is like such a pleasant surprise to me. I mean, I made beef stroganoff the other day from beef from that farm. And the taste of that food, of that beef stroganoff, when my husband like takes the first bite and he's like, oh, that's good. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> it's like, that's what I live for, Greg. Okay. is like making him happy and like wowing him with my cooking and when I have quality ingredients, I know that I have stacked the deck in my favor <laughs> like for having a good, great tasting meal because the flavor is there and there's just something about it that you can tell this is it. This is the way food is supposed to taste. I don't know if it's primal or what, but there's something in our brain when we have the best tasting peach out there, organic peach, you know, just picked from the tree, you know, that's the ultimate peach. This is the way a peach is supposed to taste. And it's the same thing happens when you get a, a cut of meat. So I'm wondering, like, how do you, you know, these other farmers, their animals are nothing to them. They're nothing but uh, a a profit, a something to make money off of. How do how do you guys approach uh, your farm and the animals on your farm? And yes, you know, someday you're going to be slaughtering them, but for the time before that, how do what is your approach and your philosophy? You know, the um, uh, on our farm, you know, I, I, we definitely don't view the animals as just a number. You know, we definitely know that uh, we're going to consume them or somebody's going to consume them. Uh, but we do every single thing possible to make sure that their um, life is uh, as low of um, continual stress as possible. You know, I'm uh, I think I'm unique uh, in the fact that I believe that um, all humans and all animals have some kind of stress. Uh, but we try to let, raise our animals in a fashion that they don't have continual low-level stress. And I think that animals and humans uh, in general both have a um, significant problem with that. Uh, so we choose to raise all of our animals out on pasture. And, uh, you know, at times they see rain, at times they see snow. Uh, but they all have uh, um, shelter uh, with bedding uh, so that they got somewhere to get out of the elements. Uh, they have fresh water all the time. Uh, we give them uh, um, some feed that's appropriate for them if they need it. Um, you know, all of those kind of things, the uh, proper care of animals. Uh, but I think the big thing is that um, they just don't have low level stress 24 hours a day from living in a, what would not be a natural environment for them. Well, I'm looking at pictures of your pigs and they look like pretty happy pigs to me. <laughs> and they're so adorable. I mean, it, it brings a smile to your face when you look at these. Whereas when you look at these factory farms, it brings horror. 
I mean, it bring it brings so much emotion. You just want to start crying when you just look at these pictures of how these animals are living. And yet, when I look at your pictures, you know, it it brings me joy. You know, to see these these adorable animals in their natural habitat and see that they're living clean. They're not living in yeah. anything dirty. It's it's perfectly clean there. It's nothing it's just, cooler it's, to see than a um, mother sow. Uh, with their litter of pigs running behind her on pasture out in the um, woods. Uh, neatest experience ever. Oh, really? It's, it just, never, it's so cute. And it, it never gets old. <laughs> I know. That's how I feel about my monarch caterpillars. <laughs> They're so cute. Yeah. I never get tired of them either. Or cleaning up their poop or whatever I have to do. <laughs> you know, it, in the um, mention in the monarch uh, butterflies, and the, um, also the um, articles that come out just the last week about the um, bird populations. Um, uh, to come back to my biodiversity, I think if, uh, when we had an agriculture that was um, diverse and was bunches of uh, small family farms uh, producing real traditional food, uh, we had a whole bunch of diversity out here in rural America that we're losing. Got rid of the, virtually all of the fence rows in the whole Midwest. The whole Midwest is basically corn and soybeans on anything that can be planted now. Uh, there's no small grains. Uh, there's very little pasture or hay crops. And, you know, the monarch butterflies, the birds, uh, we've all seen the populations on them have drastically went down. So there's all kinds of other unintended consequences of getting rid of small farms and uh, natural traditional production practices. Yeah, thanks a lot for mentioning that, Greg. Yeah, that report is, about the birds is extremely disturbing. And of course, I've been monitoring reports on the monarchs and why I do what I do. And people forget that birds eat insects. And they're out there killing every single insect uh, in an effort to clean, kill one bad one. And that leaves the birds with hardly anything to eat. Right. Uh, and then when yep. they do eat, they're eating like probably insects that could even be contaminated or the nectar in the plant, the neonicotinoids. Um, Dr. Lundgren said that even, uh, you know, well, for sure at whatever the government allows is 100% death of bees and butterflies. And that's at one part per billion. But I've had... Uh, scientists even say a, a trillion, one part per trillion, we have 100% death. And he said one seed coated with uh, the pesticides could kill like 360,000 bees, just one seed wow. coated with us, and we're planting millions. You know, talking about what the um, government allows, um, you should get your listeners sometime to uh, Google uh, USDA, FSIS Directive 7120. It's the list of what USDA allows as safe and suitable chemicals in the um, allowed to be put on meat and poultry without putting it on the label. Um, they've split it up recently, but it's about a hundred and some pages of list of chemicals that are allowed on meat and poultry. It's 7120.1? Yes, 7120, yes. Yeah, okay, yeah, I found it right here. Yeah. Yeah, it says... Yeah, there's, um, yeah, There's some interesting compounds on there. Um, anhydrous ammonia, hydrochloric acid is on the list. Every form of chlorine known to man. It's yeah. Other it's countries a, don't want our chicken chicken because we're like dousing them in chlorine, yeah. and they yeah. don't realize that we have they have these like. From what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, but giant tubs that they're putting multiple chickens in the chlorine and they have to put the chlorine in there because there's feces in there. And so they have yeah. to try and sterilize the chlorine. Yeah. They can uh, use between 50 to 200 parts per million. And uh, you know, some lots of plants have switched to other um, antimicrobials besides just the chlorine. Uh, but used to be that um, there could be 12 uh, sprays, dips, soaks of, chlorinated water on a chicken before it got to the end of the chilling process 12 oh my because i i read that it's not just the carcasses but it's the parts so you have to figure well well you know it's they're getting sprayed when they come out of the um when they go into the plucker when they come out of the plucker uh, 
in bird washers, in the chiller. I mean, it's... So yeah. there's multiple stages that they're sprayed over and over and over again. Right. Yep. What, do, what do you guys do in your processing plant? Um, we use a um, parasitic acid. Um, USDA, it, it's a weird space because USDA doesn't really actually require that you use any chemicals, but they require that you comply with all of their performance standards. So in lots of ways, they create a culture of chemical dependency but they tell you that they don't uh, when they're very difficult to trust. Um, but we use uh, an organic approved antimicrobial. We use parasitic acid, which is peroxide with distilled vinegar. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I, I read that Russia refused to buy our chickens because of the chlorine, and then they allowed the parasitic acid. When, when they, yeah, Russia they use... refuses to. Um, all of Europe... Uh, Russia and China even refused to buy our pork in this country because uh, the pork industry won't quit feeding uh, ractopamine, which is the um, beta agonist. Uh, it's a yeah, explain to people what, it, what that is, because even when you say beta antagonist, some people probably don't understand that. It's uh, technically not a hormone, but it has the effect of raising the hormone levels in the animal. So it makes the animal uh, produce... Uh, more lean meat and less fat. So it's advantageous to the um, packers because they get better yields off each animal and have to spend less on labor and throw less away. Um, and, but it, uh, I mean, it, it messes the pigs up. The, um, they've, the industries quit using it in beef. Uh, and I believe that they'd quit using it in pork, except for that we don't have a, um, downer law in pigs. So, um, pigs that, uh, can't walk can still enter the um, food supply. Beef that uh, can't walk because of mad cow or BSE, those are condemned by the veterinarian. So the pig industry has not stopped the use of it. Well, and you always wonder about those borderline animals. But I wanted to read a quote here that I have. Um, it's about the European Union. And it says the European Food Safety Authority has said that the use of pathogen reduction treatments such as parasitic acid is safe, but the EU has yet to lift the ban in large part because chicken processing plants in the U EU focus on tighter process controls to limit bacterial contamination rather than broad chemical intervention. Processing chickens without chemical intervention is not an option for U.S. poultry plants wanting to meet the U.S. Department of Agri Agricultural Requirements for pathogen requ reduction. So I thought that was interesting, Greg, that over in the EU, that that is not a standard whatsoever using these acids. Instead, over there, the standard is reducing the ability for these pathogens to even uh, be cause a contamination to start with. Right. So what yeah, you... there's um, whole portions of the um, of Europe, uh, especially the Scandinavian countries, uh, that they take a much wiser approach. Uh, they get rid of their um, salmonella in their breeder flocks. So it's not transmitted horizontally through the eggs to the um, baby chicks when they go out onto the farm. Uh, much wiser approach, but, um, uh, you know, would uh, cost the U.S. poultry industry uh, bunches and bunches of money uh, to clean up their act in that manner. And so they're not going to do it. And then what about the other humane things such as um, cutting off tails, beaks, testicles? And then the way that they um, they actually kill the animals with the electri ele electrocution where their heart's still beating and they're taking a chainsaw, cutting off their head and arms. Like, uh, uh, how, how do you guys slaughter your, your animals? We, we still use electricity to stun our um, pigs and our chickens. Um, uh, you know, the, um, a lot of plants now have moved to... Um, uh, controlled atmosphere, the carbon dioxide. Um, it's uh, really, really expensive for little plants like ours. Um, but um, one big difference in our plant compared to a large, well, a couple big differences. Um, you know, we're going way, way slower. Uh, you know, on a 
we'll do about 3,000 chickens a week where a um, typical uh, poultry plant nowadays uh, does up to 375,000 a day. And they're doing it with machines where we're doing it with a person that actually is thoughtful and meticulous in making sure that they're doing the um, correct thing. Um, as far as the, um, you know, beak trimmings, not normally a thing on broilers, but is on uh, layers. Virtually all of the um, layer birds in this country uh, get their beaks trimmed, uh, largely because they are raised in what is not a natural condition for a chicken. The people raising, uh, laying hens out on pasture, they don't have to cut their beaks because the birds don't peck at each other because um, they have plenty of space. Um, you know, same as us with our pigs. We don't have to cut the tails off our pigs because they're out on pasture and they have plenty of space. You know, if you raise a pig where its allotted space is eight square feet for its whole life um, and it sees another pig beside it, it's probably going to chew on its tail because it's not living in a natural condition. We don't have to cut tails off. So, um, you know, the um, I always like to, um, you know, USDA has put, I always like to point out, USDA has put a huge, huge amount of effort on this uh humane slaughter and i think that um as a society i think we need to take that further because um an animal raised in unnatural conditions for its whole life and then for a few seconds um you know and don't get me wrong we should always uh, respect every animal and we should do everything possible to make that as low a stress and as humane as possible but the animal's got its whole life before that that uh, somebody ought to be thinking about too and we're not talking about that that's what the humane people were keep, were keeping from me because uh, when I did try to talk to them, I, I kept feeling like they were uh, not being fully just dis- giving me full disclosure. Like I just tried to ask them what barriers that they are experiencing. I said, do you experience ba- barriers in being able to implement your goals and objectives? And she said, yes. And I said, well, what kind of barriers are you experiencing? And she didn't want to tell me anything. And I just thought that was kind of odd, you know, that she didn't want to tell me. So that just told me that um, they're not, they're not like readily giving full disclosure. Um, there's, there's something that they're hiding uh, that they're not, you know, uh, that maybe they're ashamed of or something. I wasn't sure what it was. I couldn't put my finger on it. But well, maybe uh, that's I, it. I probably never told you, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier that uh, I was on the um, Humane Society's Ag Advisory. Yes, I, I was Ag impressed Advisor. by that. Yeah. Um, the, and me and uh, two other of my friends left at the same time. And we, it's a long story, but the short version of it is uh, we actually left because uh, we don't think that they were um, – pushing hard enough in their efforts and that they were actually providing cover for the big corporations to sell their greenwashed product. I personally believe that um, consumers that want products uh, for high animal welfare standards, uh, if they knew how cage-free eggs were raised, if they knew what gestation crate-free pork was, if they knew what free-roaming, antibiotic-free chicken was, uh, they that wouldn't meet their expectations at all. And I b- firmly believe the Humane Society understands that, but that's all the more that they can push for. And I think that they, too, have gave up on the um, small, independent, traditional family farm. And that's really troubling to me because I yeah, think what we need more than anything is transformational change in rural America. And I, I there's an awful lot of organizations that aren't pushing for transformational change. They're wanting incremental change from the big guys. Yeah, they get donations. We're never going to get to where you and I want with incremental change. Donations to turn the other cheek and look the other way. Uh, That that happens a lot. And these agencies, um, you know, even something like the American Heart Association, they say, oh, we endorse this product. What does that mean? You know, what does that really mean? Do you, how you endorse this product? Why? And what, how much did, money did you take to endorse the product? And there's so many dirty little secrets in the food industry. Why don't you tell us some more of those, Greg? Because that's what I like to hear. I like to, I want to hear about the dirt that's going on. Uh, um, uh, uh, you know, the um, thing that's happening right now that's big news in the um, 
meat inspection is this uh, modern uh, pork inspection. And uh, we got modern uh, poultry inspection in this country in uh, 2014. We just got modern pig inspection. And that largely um, turns most of the inspection activities over to the um, plant employees. And USDA now is the person verifying that the plant's doing the inspection rather the, than the inspectors doing the inspection. And it uh, also allows the um, plants on uh, chickens uh, to uh, go significantly faster. Uh, it virtually eliminates the um, top end on speed on pig plants. Um, their speed now uh, will allow a plant uh, running two shifts to do six million pigs a year through one processing plant. So about 5% of the pork supply through one plant. Wow. Um, that's, prob that's probably the craziest dirt I have. Um, well, and the fact that people like Whole Foods, they give the impression that they're, oh, you know, supporting yep. like family farms and that are some of the biggest customers of like Tyson and Purdue. And what are, oh, yeah. and, and how are they, how do they do business compared to um, like a you know, the, family um, farm? Whole, Whole Foods started out with that, uh, Global Animal Partnership uh, Program. It's an um, animal welfare uh, five-step program about 20 years ago. And they started out, they allowed in the um, level ones and level twos, uh, which are basically confinement production with records and confinement production with a few enrichments. So like in uh, pigs, uh, that would be a straw bale or a string hanging from the ceiling that the pig could chew on and play with. On chickens, it'd be a window in the side of the building so they'd get to see sunlight, maybe a straw bale. Um, you know, the um, producers like us and like members of the American Grass-Fed Association or the American Pasture Poultry Producers Association, we'd be level four or level five. And they told everybody that producers were, were going to move up through those numbers. That we're going to allow those lower ones because they had to have supply and they were going to move up. And what's actually happened is it's went the opposite direction. Now they um, don't really put the numbers out there on the um, case as much because they sell mostly level ones and level twos. And especially since uh, Amazon uh, purchased Whole Foods, um, they've systematically got rid of a um, large portion of their highest welfare producers um, for the lowest, lower cost, uh, lower levels. Um, and so I repeat what I said at the beginning, if people want products uh, raised on small family farms in traditional fashions, um, you know, organic, uh, grass-fed, uh, those kind of things, and they're buying them at a store, uh, they're probably not getting what they think they are, except for a handful of cases around the country. Well, unfortunately, citric acid is also on that list uh, for organic um, because I wanted to make sure before I put it out there that GMOs are really in... Uh, the meat, the organic meat. And when I went and looked at the, you know, National Organic Standard Board or the USDA, um, they have the list on there of uh, allowable items because there's 5% that people can play with on organic. It has to have 95% organic ingredients, but that other 5%, and I'm not even sure that the government even is counting the citric acid um, GMOs that they're adding to the meat, but the fact that they're taking our organic meat, pristine raised meat, and then sending it off to these slaughterhouses, unlike your slaughterhouse, Greg, but these other slaughterhouses and saturated it with this GMO solutions multiple times. I just, you know, it goes against all logic in my mind. So how do we, you know, we've got like nine minutes now. How can we start to change this system, Greg? What are, what are the things that we need to do? Like people are listening to this. They're thinking, hey, I would love to try some of Greg's meat, uh, buy directly from him, or um, try to find some other farmers in my area. Like how, how do we even get started for this? How, um, I don't, I don't I know. I think consumers hold a lot of power. Um, you know, we all spend a lot of uh, relatively large amount of money on food in the grand scheme of things. It's a really, really small percentage of our disposable income. 
lowest of any country in the world. Uh, but still, that money that we do spend has a lot of power in bringing about change. Um, you know, I, I don't uh, believe that we're going to get there just by consumers uh, making choices, because I think that small farms will always be outmarketed, out, um, you know, competed on for shelf space so I, and we're just not going to be convenient enough but i do think lots of people need to put more effort into buying directly from farmers even though it's not convenient um, the other thing is that uh, um, groups like the american grass-fed association groups like the um, organization for competitive markets we need um, consumers to help support us uh, um, for politicians on both sides of the aisle need to be told that um, they need to stand up for small family farms. Uh, we do not need an agriculture that is dominated by multinational corporations. Um, I do a lot of advocacy work on this, and I think the biggest thing that would help us is if consumers would continuously tell their politicians, we want family farms. And if you guys are gonna tilt the table at all, you have to tilt the table towards family farms because it's obvious they're tilting the table towards the big guys right now in and on that app. Uh, so if you're at a restaurant um, and you can find the package for where they're getting the meat, uh, you can put that number in. Uh, if you're at the store, the USDA number, you can put the number in. You know, if it says Smithfield or Tyson, uh, you know it's not coming from a small family farm. Uh, you know, the other uh, technology that I think is a really good benefit to people is uh, pull up Google Earth. Um, pull up Google Earth after you're done and take a look at our farm. And then pull up Google Earth and take a look at uh, one of the other places. Um, you can tell from a satellite uh, whether a person's actually got animals outside raised in a traditional fashion, uh, or you can tell whether they don't. And I challenge people uh um, somebody tells you what they're doing, and if you can't go visit the farm, you can visit the farm virtually. Nowadays, it's real easy. Yeah, I love that suggestion. And by the way, if you want to go visit Greg's farm, it's Gunthrop, Gunthrop Farms, and that's G-U-N-T-H-O-R, like Thor. Uh, everyone knows Thor is like one of the Marvel characters. <laughs> so it's Gunthrop farms.com and go check out their website they have the most adorable pictures of their pigs I swear, that's have, like one big pig you guys that's one big pig here too <laughs> that's a pretty we big have a pig. couple facebook lives one of our um farrowing or a birthing uh farm uh that's kind of cool it's it's really long it's like 40 some minutes but it takes you a virtual tour uh through our farrowing operation and then we also have one of our um pasture uh chicken operation we have about 50 acres with uh, chickens on it's pretty cool to see and that's on your facebook site uh yeah it's on our facebook and i'll and see if i can get my daughter to put those up at the top again on our facebook so people don't have to go look back through them oh, okay yeah that would yeah post that again because i want to see that yep. too uh and uh, so Gunthrop um, Farms, everyone, and if you've been listening to our show, you know that we are starting to take action because we're all about the science. That's why we bring the top scientists on our show, besides the real farmers, uh, to, you know, help educate all of us. And uh, we're, we're all about the science. And that's why we're going to do a, a full-on project here where we're going to actually test meat and we're using a new machine that can test for 2,000 different things developed by the drug companies and so we're working on our GoFundMe page but um, you know with the support of people like you know Gunthrop Farms we're actually uh, you know it's kind of a mutual thing here because we're all about on our show here supporting people like Greg here and trying to support our family farms. That's what we want more than anything because we know they're producing the food that will save your life and save you from some getting some horrible disease. And tell you, a lot of these, they're no fun, okay? <laughs> like they kill you. So I would think you would want to know this information and help save the life of people that you love. It comes down to the food you're eating. And the quality, but how? What is the different quality? I'd like to know. I'd like to know how how Greg's meat compares against 
the USDA processing plant with his little processing plant he has there. Uh, when it comes out of there, how many pathogens are really on that meat? How healthy is that meat? When, when nutritionally, you know, we need to start being able to choose our foods based on quality, not just what the government is telling us. So, Greg, thank you so much for joining us today. And everyone, please go check out Gunthrift Farms and, um, you know, keep check out all our past podcasts. We've had all kinds of farmers on over at iHeartRadio or at KCA website or look for us on YouTube and our other social media. And please, everyone, buy Farmer Direct. Quit going to the grocery store. There are so many ways that they're adulterating your food there that you don't know about. This is the only way we can trust our food, direct from the farmer, everyone. All right, thanks for joining us here on Smart Health Talk. I'm Elaine McFadden. Next Tuesday, 4 o'clock, we'll be right back here. Thanks a lot. Bye. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.5.